Forgotten Flicks, episode 120. You're the best around! Karate Kid, 1984. Walk on the road. Hmm? Walk right side, safe. Walk left side, safe. Walk middle, sooner or later, get the squish just like grip. Here, karate, same thing. Either you karate do yes, or karate do no. You karate do guess so, just like grip. Understand? Yeah, I understand. Now ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hi. Welcome to Forgotten Flicks. I am Joel. Joined, as always, by that, I call him a karate kid, but he's far too ancient for that. That karate old man, Jason. <laughs> uh, nobody ever told me that uh, Mr. Miyagi was actually Yoda. Do yeah. or do not. Yes. There is no try. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, we, we can get into the whole, is he, is he Yoda? Is he Obi-Wan Kenobi? Uh, yeah, it's all uh, up for debate. So, <laughs> so here we are. Yes, here we are, we are uh, in our in our home stretch, and <laughs> and, and we're uh, of course addressing finally some of the most forgotten of all. Some movies. of the most. Yep, this uh, is uh, far too neglected. One that I haven't even heard of in God years. Mm, yes. Mm. Well, I will say, <laughs> all, all snarky uh, smartassness aside, the truth of the matter is, this was remade, as we know. We, we won't yeah. go there too much. <clears throat> so under the moniker, we did say movies that were remade because of the kids growing up are going to be like, oh, yeah, that's that quite a kid. That's the one with the, the, the Will Smith's kid, right? That's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> there's only one karate kid. Well, actually, technically, there's four from the original and one remake, but, you know, but one real karate kid. Oh, and don't forget the cartoon series. Oh, and actually, I started watching that with the kids. I'd never watched that before. That is really the, the series. Yep, <laughs> it's on Netflix. I don't. Did you see that? No, is it really instant? Yep. Oh my gosh, I have to watch it. I have, I literally I have not seen that in really since it was out originally. I so. never watched it, and we watched <laughs> the first episode or so, and it was uh, it was interesting. It was interesting, and yeah. we will get into that, of course. And if you're new to the Forgotten Flicks podcast, where have you been all our lives? And just to let you know. This podcast is all about uh, nostalgia, warm fuzzies, with a, just a hint of snark here and there. And we talk about movies that we all grew up with, sometimes forgotten, sometimes not so forgotten. It's our discretion. So the point <laughs> is, we're talking Karate Kid, because this is one that I, I don't want to speak for Jason, but was mm -hmm. one of my beloved movies from my childhood. And I've always wanted us to address this movie. But we felt like ah, it just wasn't forgotten enough. You know, unlike those diehards and gremlins and movies like that that no one's ever heard of, this movie is completely in Star Wars and Superman. I mean, nobody heard of those. But this one, this and the one, thing. and the thing, and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Halloween, and, and nobody heard of those movies before. You know, those are truly forgotten classics. But this one. So we left this one off the list. <laughs> we really did. 
<laughs> this one and Zone Troopers. <laughs> because they were so forgotten. So I mean, well or not forgotten, rather. So well known. Yes, yes. So, uh, my friend, would you like to hear the trailer and then slip on oh a, my gosh. a nice, yes. warm spoiler alert and <laughs> slide right into a synopsis? I think this is the synopsis of my dreams. Okay. So, yes, please. <laughs> okay. So, let us begin with said trailer. This is it. This is the end of the line. Telling me. Did I tell you about the pool here? For Daniel LaRusso. Is this the only pool you guys got? The future seemed far from terrific. This place is a dump. You should go back to New Jersey. Hey, I know it's hard, but we're not quitters, are we? Until he met the hey, right girl. She's beautiful. I say she's beautiful. I think she's beautiful. Is that your address? You got it. But that only angered the wrong guy. Country Club, 930. Definitely. You gotta be nuts. And his troubles really began. Not pushing. Nice. Then, in one man, he found a teacher. I promise teach karate. And a friend. Fighting all his last answer. Our whole body. Make a perfect picture. How do I know if my picture's the right one? If come from inside you, all rise right on. Lesson about the balance, not just karate, lesson for all life. White train. So I won't have to fight. Hey, karate kid, let's take a move. No points or no points. You're dead meat. I don't have much of a cheering section. You got me. In the end, it will be in Daniel's hands. In his body. And most of all, in his mind. Concentrate, focus, pause. Remember, balance. No mercy. Columbia Pictures presents The Karate Kid. Hey, what kind of belt do you have? GC Penny 398. <laughs> the following segment of Forgotten Flicks will contain information so pertinent to the film that, if you have not yet seen it, may ruin your viewing experience. So if you plan to see this film, please consider resuming the episode only after you've viewed the film, which you can find at your local video rental store. We now return you to Forgotten Flicks, already in progress. Thank you, JV. And it is indeed all in Daniel-san's hands, <laughs> according to Mr. Wa- Miyagi. Uh, show me wax on, wax off. <laughs> yes, show him wax on, wax off. So, Jason, <laughs> synopsize this movie, and oh. you cannot say Rocky with a black belt. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's nothing like that. Um, I can synopsize this movie without even reading the IMDBA. And by, by the way, by the way, as as a fan, a deep fan of both movies, uh, it's totally Rocky with a black belt for multiple reasons. But continue, continue. Oh, you can't drop that when I'm getting ready to give my synopsis. Okay, First okay, of all, okay. you're wrong. Okay. Second of all, okay. you can't set me up right before I'm doing that. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll wait to, after you're done. Then I'll set you up both for <laughs> both for my point and murder. Continue. <laughs> So this is the story of one Daniel LaRusso. First of all, if you haven't seen this movie, there's something missing in your life. Really? You need a therapist. If you have, then 
follow along with me because you'll see I'm trying to cover main points, uh, just the high parts of the story so we can uh, get into the depth of this cinematic masterpiece. Um, Daniel LaRusso comes from New Jersey. He and his mom moved to a rundown crap hole of an apartment complex. He tries to fit in with California life. It doesn't really suit him. He uh, runs into a cute girl played by Elizabeth Shue named Allie. And Who looks like uh, she could be his mother. She, <laughs> she, <laughs> she looks a little older than him. Um, <laughs> and her ex-boyfriend is Johnny played by William Zabka. He is the local karate jock. Uh, and they run afoul. Daniel gets his rear end kicked by my count three times. Do you, do you include the attempted murder uh, when he's riding on the hill? I don't. I count just the ass kickings, and okay. then that one is an ex, is an extra one. Well, so technically, okay. Well, there was the beach. There, yeah, there was the first one on the beach. Okay. Yep. Then the, there was the Halloween. Well, that's later. But the one on the soccer field, he actually is the one who throws. They trip him, but he he gets he gets a shot in, and he doesn't get. Yeah. A, he doesn't really get his butt kicked that not time. On that one. No, that one he doesn't. Yeah. That one he gets a pretty good shot in, but the. The definite, the beach, and certainly the Yeah, so there party. was the attempted murder, there was the soccer field, yes. there was the beach, and then there was the actual ass-kicking at Halloween. Which then was uh, actually really, really attempted murder. I'm pretty sure yes, that's where that yes, was so going. Yeah, Pretty much. We were going to kill it, yeah. Uh, so he runs afoul of them, and one, uh, Mr. Miyagi, who is the maintenance man for the apartment complex, um, decides to sort of take him under his wing and teach him karate. Which, as we know from this movie, means open hand. Yeah. Right? Empty, empty hand. Yes, empty, empty hand. hand. Empty hand. Karate here. Uh, karate here. <laughs> never down here. <laughs> karate never in your nether regions. <laughs> so uh, the rest of it is him training to fight the bad guys in the final tournament. Uh, him experiencing a teenage love with Elizabeth Shue and the friendship he develops with Mr. Miyagi. So, yes, the, especially the love story between him and his soccer mom teacher. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> um, yes, so that's pretty much it. I'm not going to spoil the end yet. Uh, yes. I'll leave it but to But of the course, end. if you are new... <laughs> we will spoil it. We, it's guaranteed, and that's why we... Hence the spoiler alert. That's right. And I realize this movie... As I as soon as it was over, I realized, holy crap! Almost to the day, almost it's thirty years old. Thirty years old. Can you believe that? Can you believe thirty? No, because years I can old. remember to this day. Do you remember where you were when you first saw this movie? Um, like uh, I can literally remember not just seeing it in the theater. I can remember the lead up to seeing this in the theater. I want to say it was at the Cineplex Odeon, mm -hmm. which was the little like nine screen place right around the corner from us mm -hmm. that I saw most of my childhood movies in. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember the lead up to it, but I do remember seeing it in the theaters. See, so. I don't remember the exact theater we went to because I'm pretty sure we were either in downtown St. Pete. It was my mom and me. And we were actually all decked out in like church clothes because we were going to some opera thing or some, I don't know, it was some thing. It wasn't a religious thing, but it was in a church. I remember this. I'm like seven years old. Did, 
Did it, you skip the opera to go to see Karate Kid? Well, no, it gets better. It gets better. <laughs> so I, for whatever reason, she drug my sister got out of it. I don't know how she was five. So maybe or actually at that point, if I'm seven. So she was maybe more like three and a half, four. So she got out of it. I guess they had to take a three and a half, four year old to go see some kind of <laughs> opera orchestral thing. Not a good idea. Oh, so, but I remember it. being decked out in those types of clothes and going there and the place was just packed and we, we got there late and love your mom, but <laughs> that was part for the course. And so we got there <laughs> and we, it was standing room only. And I just remember her not wanting to have to stand there. Because he was also way in the back. He couldn't see anything. So we, I remember I was going out and her saying, well, you know, like, what are we going to do? And she's like, well, you know what? Let's, let's go. Let's go see a movie. And she walked over to like a St. Pete Times or Tampa Tribune box, popped the newspaper which is, out. Which is where you used to find movie times for yes, the movies. That's was right. in the newspaper. Yes, kids. <laughs> Even though... I had come back from the future and had a smartphone on me. I'm like, mom, <laughs> but every time I'm clicking the Fandango app, nothing's happening. So yeah, she popped, she gets out the newspaper and I remember we, we must've been seven something at night that showing. And we went there and I, and I, to this day, remember that I remember sitting there just with her. It was like fun. And it was this very spontaneous thing. Uh, nice. And it was just, it's one of those like warm, fuzzy memories that I will grant you may taint my opinion of this movie. <laughs> But that being said, that's all it right. doesn't completely taint my my opinion of this movie. So, yes, I, I can remember to this day, but the idea that that was 30 years ago. Oh, and then to have the sudden realization that I will technically be just a hair younger than my father is now when this movie's 60 years old. I don't know why that popped in my head. I'm like, wow. So that I'll be like 67, 68 years old and this movie will be 60. And. I don't know, for some reason, it's the idea that one day all the movies we grew up with are going to be 50, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. Yeah. Because that means we are two. <laughs> yes. And then some. I don't know why. It just hit me. This whole sense of like my own mortality. It just like a lightning bolt. <laughs> like I got into this whole existential discussion with my wife and she's like trying to fall asleep. I'm like, no, wake up. It's about being in the moment. If we don't appreciate every second, it's gone before you know it. <laughs> Wake up! <laughs> you karate damn kid. kids, get off my lawn! <laughs> you damn kids! The karate kid, it brought me, it brought it out of me again, honey! We watched this thing 38 years ago to the day! Do you believe this movie is 112 years old? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, that'll be yeah. Well, we'll hey, talk to me. We'll have to do it. Have to cut. Buddy, take your pills. Cut, 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 cut to like eighty years late from now, and medical science is great advances. So we have this crazy longevity, but unfortunately, it froze us in some kind of stasis. We're like seventy-four years old or eighty years old. So and we're like, you know what, Jason? Let's let's do forgotten flicks again. And then everything is you going. Well, what? 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 They got circles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I didn't kick anything. What are you talking about? Machina. <laughs> so, yes. So I remember exactly where I was 30 years ago, almost to the day, seeing this wow. motion picture. Wow. That's pretty good. Thank you. I don't have that for everything, but this one, <laughs> E.T. I can remember going up to the theater for Back to the Future for some reason. I don't know. I don't remember sitting there. I, I kind of vaguely do. But as soon as I can remember walking up to the theater in the parking lot 
for Back to the Future. And I know that's what we're going to go see. It's weird. Huh. Yeah, go figure. I remember going to see, I specifically remember going to see Empire and Jedi. Like, I remember getting in the car, yeah. going, I mean, like, I remember the lead up to it more than seeing the movie, but that's probably because I've seen the movie dozens yeah, so, yeah. well Jedi I remember sitting in the theater watching it and I remember being even at that age confused why the hell my sister was asleep again like four and a half years old <laughs> yes uh, I don't think I saw Jedi I mean not Jedi uh, Empire in the theater because that would have been 80 so I was only three-ish so probably not I didn't see Empire maybe maybe Jedi was the only one I saw in, in the theater yeah mm. I remember I remember I Anyhow. remember so yes yeah. so your synopsis was wonderful but Starting from the top, this movie was directed by one John G. Avildsen, correct? Yes. You, you, what else did John G. Avildsen direct? Uh, Rocky. And the best of the series. Ugh, Rocky, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Oh, yes, my God. Rocky Five. I really don't know. And I, I blame Stallone more than I do Avildsen, because at that point, Stallone wrote every single Rocky movie. He directed all but the first and the fifth one. And... Yeah. I, I, his influence would have been way, way bigger than Avildsen's at that point. Yeah. So I blame him more than I do Avildsen for, for the outcome of that motion picture. And obviously the storylines are not the same, but there are a lot of similarities. They're both Italian guys. The uh, idea of this, you know, the underdog rising up at both end with a champion type of fights. I mean, they're very, very very similar but that being said i also consider them very different one thing I, I, yeah i think they're way different well, i think I, okay, again i don't know that i'd say way different but you've got that similar you've got the similar rhythm of a an athletic story all right yeah. a training there's a fight at the end i mean yeah but that's montages. gonna be with any, yes but that's okay first of all we've already established montages any kind of movie that has any kind of uh, athletics or sports or fighting or any of that's going to have one from the 80s um but i think the, the thing that makes this very different is the character that was rocky yes. versus the character that was daniel larusso are very very different characters to me um and i think that larusso was a lost kid looking for a father Mm-hmm. Rocky was a, 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 a lost young man w looking for a no, father a la Mickey. He wasn't known. Mickey was not a Mr. Miyagi and it was not the same. I mean, I know there's obviously the difference in ages and I don't mean it like that. I mean, more like Rocky was this dolt, not intelligent, not well-spoken uh, guy from the wrong side of the tracks who kind of fought his way to fame and Mickey was helping him find his way Daniel was definitely had different motivators. I felt like the motivation was different anyway. So um, he seemed much more of a, he's a good refined person, but he just kind of has had a bad run of it. And his mom moved out California and doesn't know anybody. I can definitely see where there are similarities, but I would not call them the same movie with a different. Oh, I didn't, I didn't call them the same movie. I was being a smart ass about it's Rocky with a black belt, but uh, it, it uh, but I would say that there's enough similarities between you could draw parallels between Mickey and Miyagi, but besides the fact they both start with them, you can draw. They're both old men at first. Yeah. That's, that's and Miyagi's obviously teacher. not as much of a roughneck as Mickey was, but there's still similarities. The idea of him, you know, giving the kid lots of advice and taking him under his wing, you know, there there was a lot of that. Obviously, Apollo is not nearly as big a D bag 
in such an awesome way as Johnny Lawrence is, but there's still that sense of the underdog. I mean, there's just thematically, there's a lot of similarities, but that being said, I would also contend, I don't think Rocky was an, like an idiot. I think he was an uneducated man. And I think he was a product of his environment, but I don't think he was dumb. Well, no, and and I don't say dumb. I think he was not smart, but he was wise. So he knew matters of the heart. He knew what was right and wrong. He was a better man than most people. But especially, you know, in the first one, that's what they're playing is especially his his courtship with Adrian is, you know, I'm not a very smart man, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I get that. But it just seems like different characters. But I think you can find that same parallel with just about any fighting movie after that, because that formula oh, absolutely worked. Yeah. So it's not sure. just well, it's the underdog story. At the end of the day, they're both yeah. underdog stories. I mean, at their core, right. that's what they are. So, right. uh, and, and I liked that. Well, the one thing that having seen Rocky, not that long ago, and I pick, this is just, I think Avelson's style because he's an editor as much as he's a director. Yeah. What I really, really like is and I never noticed this in Karate Kid because I I haven't seen I don't know when the last time you saw this movie was but for me it's at least been like from beginning to end at least ten years. It's Almost. probably close to that for me. Yeah. It's probably close. Yep. Yeah. So it's in that ballpark for me. So it's been a while. So but rewatching it now for some reason there was just some things I that stood out to me. I really 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 love the way some of the dialogue scenes go and there's these very natural rhythms to things. And it almost has, even in this movie, it's more so in Rocky and Rocky was a lot more low budget and everything else. So it really worked in its favor, but there's an almost a documentary sense to certain moments in Rocky. And even this movie, there's a couple moments that had that they weren't documentary in the sense that the way they were shot, but just the tone, the way they played out there, like that scene where he's at the, he's talking to his mom in the restaurant about Ali. It's the mom gets up. He just kind of keeps talking to himself and it was yeah. something just very honest and real. And I can hear Rocky doing that, you know, you know, like when he's talking butt kiss yeah. the dog, yeah. like that kind of thing. And yeah. that's a, to me, that's an Avildsen thing where he, it's an editor, the editor in him, the way he cuts the scenes together, the fight scenes, especially. Uh, yeah. I, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, because Stolen wrote Rocky, but if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Avildsen that had wanted him to go back and rewrite the final fight scene between him and Apollo literally shot for shot like okay rocky throws a left they wanted it he wanted it out on paper so that when he cut it all together he had something you'd really work with so i I really yeah and i I just his ability to create an emotional payoff with a lot of stuff too that that i think a lot of people because my wife and i watch a lot of these sports type movies rocky is her favorite movie so anything that looks rocky-esque she's like well can we watch it like (laughs) unfortunately the problem is so many of them just they they miss that feeling you get in any freaking rocky movie i don't care how many times you've seen it and i'll let the cat out of the bag i got the damn same thing with this one there's something about the 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 mute and oh by the way bill conte the guy did the music for this did the music for rocky so you know it it, it, that that crescendoing music and just everything that's led up to this moment and and all the pieces fitting together and you know miyagi giving him the the, oh yes not now you do it do it now you know that all those moments you're like oh hell yeah (laughs) he is excellent at those oh hell yeah kind of moments well and you know i'm gonna let the cat out of the bag right now i'm not even gonna play with this I honestly, after watching that, probably about halfway through, I was thinking, I think this is one of the best movies we've covered yet. Now, 
I don't remember every movie we've covered, so don't write me hate mail and say, oh, my God, you think this is better than blah, blah, blah. Zone Troopers? (laughs) But I don't remember it being this good. Uh, Then a gnome named Gnorm? (laughs) But I I have to agree with everything you've said. I think there are rhythms to this movie, but not only that, I think there are beautiful tones to this movie. So there are just moments when the shots are amazing. Mm -hmm. And- that's something I notice now, having seen so many movies that you and I have talked about, that we've dissected, that we've actually looked at how the shots were uh, actually done and, and the different effects and, and the angles and how it tells the story. When I was a kid, obviously, I knew none of that, and I never really paid any attention to it. And I did love this movie. I remember this very fondly as a kid as one of my favorites. And we've shot down a lot of those movies that I mm-hmm. thought were fantastic as a kid. And I then <laughs> Some of those were just like, oh, my God. But this one even got better now than when I then we watched it. So would you say for you, this is in the same league as like Robocop or had you seen the Blob remake? Prior to us covering it, because I remember that was one. No, of no, no, I haven't. Okay, I haven't. the Robocop yes. you had. So yes, this, definitely this be, Robocop. This would be where we can elf. appreciate it more. Yeah. and it even elevates. And I'm going to give you some examples. So I wrote some things down. One, first of all, I'm not ashamed to admit. There's a couple points I cried during this movie. Mm-hmm. Watching it now. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Knowing everything that's going to happen. Yep. Okay. So the whole scene where obviously the biggest tearjerker moment is Miyagi has had Daniel under his wing for quite a while. He's kind of gone through this epiphany moment where uh, he makes Daniel do all these chores and it trains him. Everybody knows that. That's kind of a cliche of the movie. Um, but then – he realizes that all along Miyagi really does care for him and has really been teaching him. And he, um, has learned all this karate. And then later on they become friends. And then the moment when Daniel's supposed to go out on his date, Miyagi is home drinking, gets Mm -hmm. drunk because it's his anniversary. And that's this, this is when Daniel, uh, learns that Miyagi had been married back during the war, actually right at the end of the war, world war two. And he finds out his wife, uh, Miyagi's wife and uh, unborn son both died during childbirth. Like mm-hmm. they both died complications. That whole scene, there's a moment that the shot is Daniel sitting down at that little table, the mm-hmm. low slope table where you're sitting on the floor. And Pat Morita is standing up and he's kind of teetering drunk because he's been drinking mm-hmm. and he starts speaking to himself like his sergeant is, you know, uh, uh, Corporal Miyagi. And he says, yes, sir. And he starts t- talking to himself, right? Mm-hmm. They actually lit – it's dark all around him, dark behind him, but they lit his face, mm-hmm. just his face in the background. And so you've got Daniel San in the foreground – Daniel in the foreground. I can't not call him Daniel San. <laughs> so you've got Daniel in the foreground. You've got Miyagi standing there teetering in his full uniform and this light on his face with dark all around him. And he starts speaking and then he starts – reading or he starts reciting what's in that telegram. We regret to inform you Mm -hmm. your wife died, but the way he delivers that line and the way it's shot, it's fantastic. It's, it's brilliant, brilliant, uh, filmmaking. That whole scene was fantastic. Well, a, as you're even talking about it now, I got a little chill (laughs) and I'm trying to, to not get watery eyes because it, I actually wrote down and even said to my wife while we're watching the movie, it never occurred to me how awesome and important that whole scene was. Yes. Up to that moment, all we've seen is Miyagi as this stoic, just like yes. he's Yoda. He's Yoda. 
and yes. he's a but he's a he's Yoda as a badass, not as a frog, uh, a CGI frog jumping around. Okay, and <laughs> yes. but, but we and we and we really respect him and we like him, but he's so stoic and and getting that what that whole scene was about is we in that one moment. Think about it. We got humanity up to that point. He'd been a pretty not two dimensional character, but he hadn't been impenetrable. Yes. He was, he was yes. impenetrable at that point. You see tiny moments where he opens up to Daniel, like where he lets him do the bonsai and the, hu- and the humor doesn't... thing and the humor thing. Yes. Like the, 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 yes. you know what kind of belt do you have? You know, you know, oh, JC Penny. Penny. Yeah. Uh, three ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, <laughs> you know, or, or this, or this line right here. Hey, where these cars come from? Axon. Detroit. <laughs> Which, by the way, yes. the, one of the few times I noticed Pat Morita slipped out of his accent just a hair. Yeah, he, he did was, a he, he goes, Detroit. <laughs> and we'll get into the accent thing later. But anyway, yeah. yeah, but that whole scene to me was so indicative of his character and the fact that it's obviously, I'm assuming, because I don't think they ever say it, I'm assuming it's the anniversary of maybe when he either got... No, he said it's that night was he said it's my anniversary. Oh, he did. Okay. I, I didn't remember yeah. that. Part. Okay. So I assumed it was his wedding anniversary. Yes, the way he said I would it. Assume he wouldn't be, well, I guess you could get drunk if it's the anniversary when you got the damn telegram, but uh, uh, could be. But but I, I think and of course, considering everything being context, she died. in was it 44? Yes. Okay. So that would have been 40 years earlier. Yes. And yep. and presumably he's probably what's supposed to be in like his mid to late 60s. Yeah, that okay. sounds about so right. So he'd been like in his 20s when that happened. The one thing I caught that I never caught before, and I could be mistaken, Do you? was she in an internment camp when it happened? Yes! Oh my God, I didn't catch that either. Yeah, <laughs> okay. the, so, they said re, re, relocation camp or something to yes, that effect. Yes, and that's what, okay, so there's so many- center, that's what they called it. There's so many things that I did not catch the first- 50 times yeah, that I watched the first 648 movie. times I saw the movie. <laughs> yes. Well, when I watched it, I, I was, I was a teenager or younger than that, or even around the time that I probably watched it in my twenties, uh, or thirties. Yeah. I just watched it light it. I didn't you did, you watched it. And this is not a criticism because it's no. how we all do. You watched it passively, which yes, what, exactly. what, what the podcast has done for you is now you see things there and it's a, it's a blessing and a curse <laughs> Yes, <laughs> because now you unfortunately notice a lot of crap. Yeah. And it ruins <laughs> yes, stuff. That, it does. It, it does. I noticed so many more things. One of them was exactly that. He he looks at the newspaper clipping, like the headline about um, fighting the Nazis in, in World War II, and they talk about that. But then it shows the – and I didn't write down the name. It was like um, Matson or Madison. It starts with an M, internment camp, and it says something like all Japanese citizens – or all uh, Japanese Americans reporting. And But that's exactly it. She died in a Japanese internment camp Man, in the U.S. Manzanar Relocation Center. Yes, which is you know a black mark on our history, which is a terrible time when World War II. Uh, during World War II, there was paranoia about anyone who was Japanese, and they were all ordered into these camps. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, George Takei, who played Sulu yep. in the original Star Trek, um, he he wrote. Um, stories about it he wrote a musical and he's a big about three, for was it, he was in one for about three years right as a child because he was there yeah, as a child he he actually lived in one and um but i never caught that before I, I don't i have these vague memories of like for some reason i thought she died in the war or she I died in the childbirth thing or, but i just assumed it was the time it was so to make matters worse it, not only did she die but and i'm not saying medicine was at its highest level at that point 1944 but she yeah. Who knows? Had she maybe not been in this relocation camp, maybe she would have gotten better yeah. 
treatment and she wouldn't have died because not like yep. all women died in childbirth in the 1940s. And then on top to make matters worse, he was fighting in the war effort and was a yes. decorated yes. soldier. Medal of Valor. Yeah. Medal of Valor he yeah. pulls out. But yeah, his wife so. and his kid are stuck in it. You would almost think just by the very nature that he's willing to step up to the plate that that gives you a pass on your family being put in one of those places. But no, well, and it, it, it added. OK, what made that such a tearjerker moment for me was so multilayered. And I never thought about this before was it was always a sad moment. But watching it now, seeing that whole element of the irony of the fact that he gave up everything uh, to fight for his country that his wife was put in an internment camp, his pregnant wife, and then she died there, but he was awarded the Medal of Valor. And then at the same time, it didn't make him bitter and angry. No. He was still a balanced, uh, uh, loving, wise person. And it didn't, I mean, that all of that wrapped into one just was incredible. It was, that moment was really, really powerful. And it was more powerful watching it now than I recall it being in the past. There's, this movie made me realize two things. One, Anytime I do anything at all that I want to be proud of, I want that final Miyagi approving look. <laughs> the nod. The nod, the freeze frame. Yes, uh, that's a, anything mm. I do in my life. I just want to look up and see that. Yes. <laughs> and second, I am secretly striving for the rest of my days to internally be Mr. Miyagi. Oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, he's human. He's got his problems. Obviously, he has to, you know, he get emotional and does his thing. But he's so <laughs> calm, but not. And the other thing I loved, and, you know, we briefly touched on this before we got on, is I didn't. He wasn't a stereotype at all. And no. and, and and his accent and everything else. Now, that being the case, by the way, a devastating moment as a child to hear Pat Morita, I believe, was on Happy Days. And he's got as normal a <laughs> American accent, American accent as you and yes. I do. And I'm like, what the? Heck? It's sort of like when I found out John, James Marsters wasn't British. He played Spike on yeah. uh, Buffy, and I was like, he was like Billy Idol, and he had this great accent. I'm like, hell, yeah. oh yeah! And he was just like, and then he's like, um, uh, hello, I'm in an interview now, and, I, and it was that was a big matter. It wasn't just American and that sort of bland, mid almost Midwestern American sound. No offense to our Midwest contingent. But it was just kind of like the first time you heard Shaggy speak and you realize he didn't talk like Mr. Lava Lava. He was like, yeah, I just do that for my songs, dummies. Okay, ready? Ready? When you said Shaggy, I was like, you mean Casey Kasem? <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Casey. Yeah, we just yeah, uh, no. talked about that. So, yes, I I, I, I I did find when Pat, I was very disappointed that Pat Morita did not actually, because he actually did a great job and he didn't over. Dude, no. I, I mean, I'm sure we've all, especially in the states, you've heard, you've heard people who were from Japan or Okinawa. They have an accent, okay? That to be to guess guess what, guys? All you Americans out there, they get sensitive about that crap. We go to other countries and they go, "Hey, hey American!" Uh, they probably don't say it like that, by the way. Uh, no, but our our accents when we go there make us it's American, funny. and yes. it probably makes them laugh. Yeah, so <laughs> it would make me laugh. So almost <laughs> as much as my British accent does. So yes. I, I feel like that was not an issue. I like the fact that Pat Morita, which is interesting because he he did a lot of comedy and he did a lot of movies that weren't anything on this level, but he was so, so you, good in this. Did you see, like you said that when you saw him on Happy Days, was it right around this time that you actually saw? 
see, Happy uh, Days ran from the seventies into what the very early eighties. So I think I probably saw more yeah, happy. Ran for yeah, ever, and that's when I saw. I saw it syndication. Yeah. I'm sure. Okay, and because I specifically, I don't remember seeing Pat Morita in anything but kind of the Miyagi role for many, many years yeah, after. It felt this. like I I knew him as this first. Yes. Yeah, me too. And probably because we were so young when yes. this came out, you yeah, know, relatively know young when this came yeah. out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he did. And I know that in a lot of other cultures, this whole idea of the wise man, especially the wise sensei, is a very old one. But well, it's, the hero, for, it's the whole hero's journey thing. I mean, it, it is. Yeah. But for this, this was kind of my first foray into that into that type of person, into that type of teacher, uh, that type of um, relationship with a, mm -hmm. a sensei master. Because I got to tell you, one of the other moments for me that was probably one of the most powerful, it wasn't the fight. It wasn't the tournament. It was the moment that he gave Daniel the car. Yeah. And he's kind of talking to the kid about balance and he realizes at that moment that, well, he kind of lays out his cards that Daniel knows about his wife and all that stuff. And he gives Daniel the car. He puts his dog tags on the keychain, mm -hmm. and Daniel turns to him and sincerely, you're the best friend I've ever had. Mm -hmm. I think this movie to me was about their friendship. Oh, sure. Yeah. That was the most powerful thing yep. in this mm -hmm. by far. Mm -hmm. That was the greatest part of this movie yep. for me. And it just... Part of this when I was a kid was I always saw myself as Daniel because I was that skinny, uh, not strong, not athletic, brown-haired kid, you know, who um, got beat up by guys who belonged to Cobra Kai. Well, maybe not, but um, okay. Is it is it weird that I I I after seeing this movie always saw myself as the one douchey Cobra Kai kid who stands in the back going, yeah, yeah, put him in a body bag. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is weird. Um, <laughs> not, by the way, not at all. But I, no. I love that guy. He's so, he's so <laughs> yeah, yeah, Johnny. It's such an iconic moment in the movie. Oh, but, it's so great. Um, but that moment where where he says, you're the best friend I've ever had. I got to say, after watching this now, Ralph Macchio was excellent. Oh, excellent yeah. He was movie. great. He was very natural. Everything about he him was. felt real. And now he did slip in and out of Jersey accent. <laughs> you know, I never, I never really noticed it. There was one or two times when he got more Jersey uh, and the rest of the time he seemed just kind of natural Midwestern, natural kind of Northern, but he got re he was really Jersey in the beginning. Uh, and then there was a couple moments where you could tell he got much more. So by but, really Jersey, did he say, forget about it? Or did he, uh, <laughs> he get Kevin Spencer to, to verify very close. My, my wife as a New Jersey native uh, gave him the New Jersey accent stamp of approval. Yeah, it was good. It definitely <laughs> she, slipped she in and out. Notice. She doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because here's the thing: people from New Jersey really don't give a crap. Well, of course, there is no one New Jersey accent. Well, oh, but yeah, it, oh, they... no, 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 there's only one. <laughs> Just like there's only one Florida accent. Of course, of course. And um, it's ours. <laughs> oh my God! What is today? Uh, June, the day that we're recording this. What is the, this? The day after the first day of summer. Yeah. Today's June twenty second, right? Mm-hmm. We're recording this. Today is the 30th anniversary of the theatrical release of this movie. Wow. Today. We did FYI, not do that folks. on purpose. FYI, folks. Totally accidental. That's called serendipity <laughs> right there, buddy. That's sweet. <laughs> that is wild. Almost, so oh, my about, God. <laughs> think about it, because I'm pretty sure I may have gone opening day. So the idea that we're talking about this, 
I wonder if there's like some like if I we've just opened up some kind of like rift in time between the multiverses, and if I there's could, a wormhole, and there's a wormhole, and I could just step through and just like there, there is a wormhole. Hmm. Do you have a memory of some really angry bald guy? bumping into you at the theater no and saying, no yeah, you're like this movie kid yeah no 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 he he would he would he would have been, I, I would look at him and be like son son you better like this i would have been angry about it i just would give him the look like the, just threatening yeah <laughs> no knowing my mom now and how she probably even was more so then i would have gotten my ass kicked so no no yeah, probably. no yeah. <laughs> no why are you talking to my son <laughs> So a couple other things uh, I have notes of here. Um, number one, I don't remember this movie being this long. I wonder, and what, I kind of, I wonder what kind of rating we're going to give it. Continue. Good. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't remember it being this long. And I don't mean that in a bad that, way. No, that's hilarious. My wife said the same thing because we were you know, getting ready to watch it. We wanted to actually watch it from beginning to end. We were going to watch it Saturday. No, I'm yeah. sorry. It, yes, sorry. That's when we did watch it. We were going to watch it Friday. Uh, oh, Thursday, right. Thursday or Friday, whichever one. doesn't matter. And yep. we were going to watch it. She's like, Two, I said it's two hours. She goes, two hours? Two hours, know? seven minutes. Yeah, she says, no, it's not. I said, yeah, it is. Look right here. It says, like, yeah. yeah, two hours and some odd minutes. And she's like, I don't remember being that long. It's like, oh, I don't, what the, can I tell you? Yeah. It was It was longer than I remembered it being. And I, and I say that because generally a lot of the movies of this ilk we've seen are, you know, 90 to 100 minutes, maybe 110. Um, well, 120 is sort of the baseline industry standard because you have 120 pages of a script equal to our movie this sort of classic three-act structure if you read sure. a bunch of screenwriting books it's always 120 so that's actually for this type of movie and this is a definitely classically structured movie it it fits now the two, 207 i didn't actually pay attention to the fact there was a few extra minutes on there but you got credits and stuff like that so yeah yeah um it also reminded me of this and i this is another thing i guess i miss nowadays uh watching movies um is the whole credits at the beginning like oh, yeah. really long credits at the beginning. Yeah, now they just go right into it. Well, yeah, you don't see that much anymore. Well, I mean, it's this funny. back then, I remember, I remember being a kid and hearing about old movies and wondering why it was they put all the credits at the beginning of an old movie. It was, it was <laughs> yes. all you meant that you had the copyright. Yep. It was literally at the oh, very yeah. end. It's a the end fade to black. You're done, dude. You did not have. So I, no. I'd love to yeah. know about when that transition fully happened it probably had to be in the 60s somewhere maybe the early 70s yeah but but yeah it, but, but but even now it's transitioned to even more so where it's almost the flip opposite because i'll tell you what there have been a few times in the last couple months some movies godzilla being one of the worst ones for this did you sit through the credits of that damn thing oh my god and i yes! had to pee dude god, that drove me nuts because i I'm had thinking... a gut buster <laughs> This can drink, and I was about to wet my friggin' pants. And I'm like, I'm like doing the PB dance. I'm like, if there's no stinger at the end of this damn thing, I'm gonna freaking I'm, I'm like crying. I'm in the corner, like people are looking like, why is that bald guy dancing and crying? And like, why won't he yes. just leave? And then you because get like a I little saw... bit where it leaks out, and you're like, why is my urethra stronger? Why I didn't, I didn't, I didn't read any reviews about Godzilla. I didn't want to see anything about it. I wanted to see it cold, so I sat through the whole thing. And then when the credits there, I saw my son, and we're like, all right, we're gonna sit through the credits, see if there's any like extra clips or anybody in it, uh, a lead up to a sequel. Come on, come on. It was the longest damn credits I've ever seen, and, make... and there was nothing, dude. And to make matters worse, ninety percent of it were visual effects people. 
And yes, look, it was we all like, worked on it. They deserve the credit. I'm not knocking that. Oh, but, but there's like ridiculous. 500 of them. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And here's the thing. Here's what I'm trying to figure out. People argue CGI they pick because it quote unquote saves the money. You have got to be effing kidding me. The, the labor costs alone. You can't tell me that you couldn't have built a full size functioning Godzilla for the price that they <laughs> pay for all A those fraction. people. <laughs> uh, uh, oh man oh it was awful yeah so at least in this in karate kid the opening credits were expositionary i mean they kind of set the stage of yes, they did a good job of cutting it between and i think rocky would did that as well i think rocky had that where you where you're getting some insight into character and they also that's one thing i wanted to get into with this a, 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 a sign of a well-structured screenplay if nothing else was a lot of foreshadowing that they did and there was callbacks sort of things. So they established right from the onset, that whole thing with the station wagon, which of course they pay off later on with oh, uh, gosh, the, yeah. the date and, yep. there, and just little comments. If you, I never, again, never noticed before, but lots of comments about, uh, you know, getting, you know, focusing on things and, you know, his, you know, when they, when they first, first pull up to the apartment, his mom says, well, we're at you know, the end of the line. And he's like, yeah, you, you know, telling me, and just like, there's this yeah. almost ominous sense to things. You know, yeah. but I like that there was all these little moments that if you were paying attention, they were giving you hints of what's to come. Uh, for instance, leading up to and we'll get into the Halloween dance slash ass whooping. But when he's telling Mr. Miyagi about the dance and, you know, he could go if he's a visible man. I, again, never noticed it before. The costumes hanging on the wall right behind him. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> I actually have that note. I there are two different times in this movie than when there was something behind him. Yeah. That I didn't pay attention to. The shower was one. So he's in the workshop of Miyagi there, right? Uh-huh. And that's when he's talking about going to the ball. And Miyagi's kind of doing the very wise man, not telling him he should go, just, oh, why not go? You know, why yeah. Why are you staying out? Oh, you know, well, and he says, I don't even have a costume. And so he kind of looks around and he says, so if you had costume, you would go? Yeah, if I go as the invisible man, so no one would, you know, no one oh, would see invisible me. Man. And he goes, hmm. And then, of course, the next scene is him in the shower. But I never, in the, like, shower costume, <laughs> I never noticed next it was scene behind is him. him in the shower? My God, what kind of movie is this? <laughs> yeah. I never noticed it was behind him. Like, all the pieces for yeah, it. Yeah. But the, the other one was, you mentioned it already, he was having uh, lunch oh, yeah. with his mom. That one I remembered seeing early. Like, I've seen, I think I've always noticed that, what you're about but to say. But I really paid attention to what was going on in the <laughs> background. Yeah. And I didn't even pay attention to what he and his mom were saying. It was just I watched what was going on in the back mm-hmm. and never realized it was that kind of that much of a setup. Yeah. Um, but that was a great shot because you've got the the audio of what's going on in front of you with him kind of talking yeah. about how school's going and mm-hmm. how's it going on the girl front. And in the background, you've kind of got this this ominous moment happening when they all realize that's his bike and he's there. Yeah. Um, which was great. That yeah. was great. Yeah. And it's just a subtle thing. And obviously they were intended to be the point because they are center of frame. And the mom yes. and, and Daniel are acting as almost like this, the outer edges of the frame and our eye is drawn to them, but they're just, just a hair out of focus. But you can, but you can see even enough to where you see them screwing around being typical teenage boy D-bags. And then yep, yep. they, but one of them, it kind of glances over and you see how the body language was just great because he, he gets that look like, like he, his body always looks for like, is that who I think it is? And, yeah. and, is him, and he goes, yeah, like you can see his body like, yeah, yeah, that's him. And he goes, runs around to get the other guys. And they come and they running all, back. Yes. 
Oh my and God. then they all come back yeah. and then they all look at it. And at first they're going to go confront him and they kind of stop and you can see they're planning something. And then they go back around the corner and disappear. And right at, all but right at this, the moment, by the way, right at the moment when the mom says, so what about the, you know, the karate place? And she looks over right as they're cutting around the corner. Like she misses seeing them. Oh yeah. She goes, what's up with this karate place? And she looks over as like the, they're all running around the corner yeah. and just background. And at one point, and they timed it brilliantly because at one point Daniel does the same thing. Right after she says it, he looks over, but there's no one there at that moment. Yeah. So the timing of her kind of seeing, because she saw the guys, but mm-hmm. she didn't see their faces, didn't know who they were at that point. They're just running. So it just looks like normal uh, people outside just running around and uh, um, being background. But when he looks, no one's there. So mm-hmm. the timing, the directing of having all that timing just right. So it fits that he looks and there's absolutely no one there. He didn't even blink. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, was, I, I, I like, I, I really liked the moments like that, and like I said, that scene in particular, the dialogue and the back and forth reminded me, especially even when Daniel was by himself, that had a very, I say Rocky esque. It didn't wasn't like the movie, but that style, it was very naturalistic, and I liked, yeah. I liked that the way that that they set that whole thing up. Uh, one thing I do, speaking of interesting dialogue, did you find it odd during the after the butt whooping on the beach scene? So Daniel's gotten beat up by Johnny. It's his first interaction with him because he had just met Allie, the, uh, the Allie Sheedy. Yes, that's who it is. Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth Shue character. <laughs> yes. And turns out... They were having like a beach bonfire. Yeah. We're going to continue? No, no. They're having like a bonfire yeah, party. Yeah. yeah, and so he had met her. They're, he's showing her how to juggle the, the soccer ball. And yep. Johnny, with his cohort, show up on their motorcycles. He gets a little rough with Allie, meaning Johnny does. And Daniel steps in. But whooping yep. ensues. Although I did something I always forgot. He got a good, decent shot in. He did. He 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 uh, popped him one really good yeah, because he, got, he was he kind of pretending to be hurt. Yeah, yeah. He definitely got a good shot. But then, so he's laying on the beach. He's like barely moving. Allie comes over. He's like, "Can I help you?" He goes, like, "Just just leave me alone." And then the girl comes up and says, "Just let him let him leave, let him be. It's better it, if you just leave it, him alone. It's, it's best." I'm like, "What? So he can die in peace?" <laughs> It's just the greatest poor kid on the beach. Well, even worse is his friends, because he meets that one, like, buddy, right? Yeah, at the the apartments, yeah. When they first get to the apartments, yes, he meets that guy, and he's like, oh, cool, man, come on to our party tomorrow night. That's great. And he's all real nice to him. And then he stands up for a girl, really stands up for her, because this guy is manhandling her. And he always pulls, like, a cool hand Luke. Like, he doesn't just get hit once, falls, and goes, I mean, he he jumps back up, he throws some licks. He's obviously a tough kid. Yeah, he does not give up. He does get his ass whooped in the end, but he fights hard. Yes. And all the guys that were like, oh, were his buddies, like, ah, what a douchebag. Dude, he would have kicked your asses too. Yeah, well, and <laughs> I would argue, and I would argue this. Well, he may not have been able to beat Johnny. I'm sure he could have kicked all of their butts. Yes. So I, I did find that weird. And then later on when uh, he's at soccer tryouts and the other guy, that's like the next day. And the guys that were his buddies are like, hey, there's the karate kid. Ha, ha, ha. You know, of course, there's the plug for the movie name. But um, I was like, man, what a bunch of assholes. I mean, (laughs) they really were. It wasn't. If that had happened in real life. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but I went to dozens of those beach bonfire parties. Oh, how (laughs) many? Usually, though, the ones I went to, a uh, young lady would always strip down to nothing as I was half drunken. She'd go out into the water, and then I'd pass out on the beach, and uh, I'd wake up, and she's gone. 
And then they yeah. find her severed hand on the beach the next morning. Oh, wait, yeah. that's a different me, movie. Sorry. Me too, because all the beach bonfire parties I went to were in the movies I was watching. <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> went to one. Um, but let me tell you, if that happened in real life, I can tell you for damn sure all the other guys would be like, man, you're a tough son of a bitch. You stood up to him. You got your, you got in a fight. You have a black eye. You're the coolest thing ever. Yeah. You would have been the solid number two in the school, <laughs> hands down. And for them to treat him like, yeah, you're such a dork. Yeah. That's just, that would not happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't buy any of that. <laughs> no. Um, I, uh, before, cause obviously we're, 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 we're approaching the time when we'll have to give our rating, although this is annoying me because there's so many other things to talk about. <laughs> no, no, keep going, keep going. Okay, okay. So, you, of course, I have to acknowledge we had a dating montage. We did. We did. Okay, we had we a did. couple montages, so this movie definitely cleared that that hurdle. Yes, at least three or four. Yes, thank you. And they were decent. They were good montages. They were good, very yes. good, yes. Uh, country club scene. Just do I have to go in depth into it, but was it that funny? Um, I will say this. So I recall as a kid remembering that he went to the country club. He saw Allie mm -hmm. dancing on the floor with Johnny. Yes. Johnny sees it. Allie doesn't. Johnny takes it as an opportunity to kind of stick a knife in Daniel. Yeah, because, yeah, he, it's, it's one of those classic her back is to Daniel. Daniel's looking through a window. Johnny yep. notices him. He's like, haha, I'm going to make him think ah, she's with bitch. me now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so kisses, it, kisses her. Uh, he gets upset. Daniel gets upset, turns around. Of course, Allie doesn't know that he's doing it because Daniel's there, but she's pissed. He falls into a waiter in the kitchen and spaghetti everywhere. All I recall as a kid was, oh, it's his humiliation. Yes, and I remember he that, too. That she yeah. likes it, right? Yeah. Watching it now, when he falls into the waiter and spaghetti falls all over him and the waiter's on the ground, he's on the ground in the kitchen, doors are open. Every single MFing person in that entire ballroom is pointing and laughing at them. Yeah. I'm thinking that's awful. You people are terrible yeah. because yeah, I would it say wasn't, the only was, knock on this movie I have is that they, and I understand they didn't have time to make it multidimensional. And obviously Allie is supposed to be representative. She's from an upper class family. She had a country yeah. club, but yeah. so is Johnny as it turns out. But I, I felt like it was the cliche there was something about eighties movies. Like you had Caddyshack, other movies where, yeah. yeah, cause it's a fun, it's a funny joke. I'll be honest with you. That would be my personal hell would be getting stuck in a place like that. But they always play those folks as like the, <laughs> and I, I, I'm sure yes. a lot of them are, but I think most of them would have just maybe been confused and somewhat surprised that this is even, my God, are you okay? Like, I can I see mean, Johnny they're laughing. Not, they're not evil. Yeah, I can I mean, see, exactly. I can see, right. it's like old people, like grandmothers and grandfathers are, everyone, <laughs> It's like a the bad only dream. person that's not. Allie is the only person only that's one. not laughing and pointing. I think weren't even her parents <laughs> laughing a little bit. Yes, everyone. So I want to. That's. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the. That was one of the things. No knock on the movie, but that was one of the things I felt was almost unnecessary because they did play the. He's a kid from the other side of the track. She's kind of the upper crust, and they don't. You know, that's kind of a weird element because the parents don't want him. They could have really left that yeah, out. Yeah, that wasn't I necessary. Was, I agree with you. It was for, it was I, it was I, like forced melodrama. Yeah. Yes, I think they could have done just enough with the fact that she used to be dating Johnny, yeah, and that Johnny was more is disaster. Yeah, you didn't need yeah, the that was socioeconomic. Yeah, because it, it was almost like it was an added layer, and because even if they that really the only time they bring that up is. 
the country club really wasn't about that. That was more about him being embarrassed because he saw her. He thought he was with that. Uh, she was with Johnny. To me, that didn't feel like it was because he was a poor kid because he was dressed nice. Yeah. But he wasn't uh, dressed at one point like I was thinking if you took the jack off, he looks like he's one of the help. But well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> All white. But the only part that really came up is when he and Allie had that interchange at the arcade. And when at the country club, the dad says something about, oh, not that kid from Reseda. But those are the only two little points. Really, yeah. that was almost unnecessary. It could have just been um, like when mom picks them up to take them out for their date and they have to push the car, push the station wagon to start it. That was just an embarrassing moment. Yeah. That didn't have to be about rich, poor. That was just, yeah. Oh my God. The rich, my poor mom. thing felt a little heavy handed. And, and I will say that, especially I, and then the follow up, she forgives him so quickly yet. I even was curious. Why were you angry with him? I mean, I, yes, like, why, why yes, you have, no. I understand she's a teenage girl, but wouldn't you have like thought for two seconds, damn, I kind of feel bad for the guy. He thought this jerk was kissing. Oh, because he yes, didn't stick around felt- long enough. Yeah. Cause he was too busy being humiliated. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that was a little bit too much where she was mad at him. Exactly. Uh, that should have been a little bit the other way around, but it, it didn't take away too much. It wasn't no, long. It didn't and, at all. No. Yeah. Um, was I it just, it was it, her friend looked like Sarah Silverman. <laughs> A little bit, like a little bit of uh, Lily Taylor mixed with Sarah Silverman. Oh, yeah. God, that's good. That's good. Yeah, a little bit of that vibe, yeah. Or, or, yeah. She, I didn't look it up. Um, I actually, but yeah, she, I don't remember the actress's name either. Uh, is she, Yeah, a little bit like uh, Lily, I think it was Lily Taylor who was in Say Anything. I think she was in Say Anything. Remember the girls that John Cusack hangs out yes. with? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, like she, the, she, the, she had that vibe to her, that sort of, yeah. which, which uh, on that surface too, I didn't really buy, actually, I felt like she would have been more in line with Daniel. Yes. Yes, that's what I thought, the, dude. She's the, more from Jersey. Yeah, she had that more like blue collar, you know, yes. kind of rebel quality to her. So thinking, <laughs> why the hell is she with all these like rich douchey folks? I, that that yeah. felt weird, but that again didn't bother me enough to like pull me out of the movie. Or no, no, it's one no. of those hindsight kind of things. Oh, one other thing I did definitely want to mention. Did you notice that the red? Remember the rednecks when Miyagi and Daniel are at the beach, and you first see the whole crane move. Oh and, my gosh! And, yes, and they come up to the car. And, yep. got, and actually, that was the only time, which I thought was interesting. And now that felt right, where they addressed somebody being a. Now that was like the racist dick move. Yes, because they looked the, the kid's got himself a pet nip. You know, the, the guy was just yes. a jerk off, and the guy he takes, he's drinking beer, he's putting the bottles on Miyagi's really nice old. I don't know anything about cars, antique truck, and he, yeah. and and he's putting him there, and Miyagi says, "Yo, please move." Bottle and he's and the guy's like, why don't you make me blah blah blah? And he calls him. But you move him yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, he, and he just goes. Miyagi goes. Yeah. And he chops the head, like did the, the tips Pops of all of them. Bottles. Yeah. He just cut. And then I love the Daniel's like, how'd you do that? He goes, don't know. First time. First time. <laughs> awesome. Did you recognize who one of those d bags was? Yes, the main guy was Larry Drake. Yes. Was yeah, it, was it was... Larry Jake? Yeah. Really. Yes, it was the main guy that was the, the main Dr. one that Giggles says, Larry you Drake? Huh? Was it Dr. Giggles, Larry Drake? Yes. Because I you knew who I thought it I didn't look up the name. You know who I thought it was? The bad guy from Cuffs. He, no, to be fair, he's wearing a hat. Oh, uh, and, yeah, they look similar. They do they look do very look similar. similar. Yeah, they look very yeah. similar. No, it was uh, it was Dr. Giggles. It, oh, was, okay, it was Larry cool. Drake from Dr. Giggles. And, and, and Dark Man. He was, yep. yeah. And he was in... Uh, LA uh, Law. LA Law, the TV show. Yeah, yeah. I never really watched it. But yeah, me yeah. either. 
But anyway, yeah, there was actually a lot of cameos in this that I didn't recognize from when I was a kid. Um, that were that were some pretty big ones. Obviously, you've got the the core Martin Cove, uh, who plays the bad sensei, which everybody just calls him bad sensei. His name was Crease, mm-hmm. um, which I like that they did not play him as a racist either. Well, he because- he, yeah, he he. he- he pushes the line because you knew, you know, he was in Vietnam. They, cause they show some yes, pictures. But, they, but when he, sh- when Miyagi shows up to his dojo and you see that he was the army champion of the army karate champion, 1970 to 1972. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of in the stereotypical pose in his yeah. fatigues holding this M 16. Right. But when he addresses him there, he just calls him grandpa and he doesn't really get into, he, he calls him a, he does say pushy little bastard, but he doesn't like use any epithets or anything to be yeah, fair. But yeah. he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't. Uh, uh, I thought they could have easily made him hate him because he was Asian in general. Yeah. Because he was in Vietnam. Yeah. And he could have made it that stereotype, but they never really went there. But anyway, Martin Cove, um, William Zabka obviously played Johnny, who, by the way, we almost had on the show by a hair's breadth. And then wah, apparently wah, he must wah, have listened wah. to an episode and thought we were crazy. But yeah, well, so, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's going to be on this show. And he said, he, yes, I'll be it, on. Yes, let's. He, and he even gave me his his agent's information. Yes, contact my agent. I'll be on. And then he must have listened because yeah, he, he's like, wow, they like that. they like Greg Toland and just one of the guys a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, not so much. Um, but then did you recognize uh, one of the guys in Cobra Kai? Who was also in Revenge of the Nerds? Oh yeah, the uh, African American actor. He played. He played Lamar. In Revenge yes, he of the was Nerds. the one that was really skinny. He was mm-hmm. also in Space Camp, which another movie I loved. Yes. Oh, and Iron yeah. Eagle. I believe. Oh, he was, was he really? I believe he was in Iron Eagle. Ah, yes, with Louis Gossett Jr. Yep. and um, that J- white kid. I don't J- remember. Jason Gedrick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, and also, and I I didn't look this up, so I'm just guessing here. And it may just be he really looks like one of them. The blonde guy that tells Daniel he's dead meat. That looks like he's about 30, even though he's in the Cobra Kai and obviously at the high school. Was he one of the Lost Boys? He looked now. He wasn't. Obviously, Alex Winter, he's not. Alex Winter was one of them. Yeah, he was not. Kiefer Sutherland, obviously. He had more of a Kiefer Sutherland look to me. So maybe I'm just thinking in my head, like, okay, he looked a little like Kiefer Sutherland, so that's why I'm thinking that. But something about him screamed Lost Boys. And I don't know why. I could be, I'm probably wrong. But it just, I couldn't, and Heather's thought so too. She was like, yeah, he looks like he could have been. Uh, and I haven't, I obviously am too damn lazy. I didn't look it up. <laughs> but I don't remember. I'll look it up while you, uh, while you chat on. But okay. uh, I know that one of the guys, um, uh, one of the guys, uh, I don't remember his name, but one of the guys I looked up was in Chopping Mall because I remember that because I, you like that movie. I haven't seen it. That's yeah. the one that had uh, Kelly Maroney and Maroney, right? Yeah. Um, but I know he was in that just because I remember seeing the poster when I was looking him up, but I don't remember the guy's name. So um, now that's a good point, though. He does. It, maybe it was kind of that blonde dyed hair with the dark roots. Yeah, yeah. there's something about him. Like I said, the quality. There was a quality, a lost boys quality, a lost Boisean, <laughs> yeah, a a Boisean boy. quality. Yeah, and and honestly. <laughs> We'd be beyond remiss. <laughs> there it is. If I did not address something that honestly is one of the big things I was looking forward to beyond the fact that it turns out we both have a major, major league uh, man crush, whatever it is for this movie. <laughs> we do. Uh, we do. We have a cinematic boner. For yes, this yes yeah. we do. And it, it would be addressing the, uh, the, the two elephants in the room. My friend. <laughs> this song never, I don't know what this says about me, it's probably nothing good. 
this song never gonna get Oh my god, no. No, no, no. Which by the way, did you watch the like some of the videos with like, apparently there's a whole I don't know the details, but I've heard and by the way, we're using this song under fair use because it's for analytical purposes and educational purposes, and even if need be pat, uh, parody and satire. Yes, please uh, point that out because, <laughs> because there's apparently, a story behind this. Yes, yes. Because apparently I've heard things that this song every time it's popped up on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, which <laughs> You wouldn't know it from doing a search on YouTube, hint, hint. Uh, <laughs> it's always getting pulled down because there's all these copyrighty type issues with it. But there was one, there was one thing. It was, I guess it was them doing it live, but no doubt they were lip singing because yeah. it, it was too, the sound was too clean. You know, usually when bands do something live, even a band like Bananarama, it just sounded different. So, yeah. but it's like the three girls and they're just on the stage. There's the fog machines going and, and they're, they've got the neon lights going and, uh, and they're just, they're singing and they're doing the wonderful, wonderful, awesome eighties white people dancing badly moves. Yes. Yes. And, step and my, my six year old next right. to me, step to the left. Yep. That's step right. To right, the right. Don't forget, don't forget, snap the fingers, snap, snap, fingers. snap the fingers uh-huh. while we, while step. we, while we, while step. we point rock squat. the arms, step. rock the arms, <laughs> elbows back, elbows back. That's right, buddy. Back sway. I'm doing it right now. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You got to tap the foot twice on each side. Boom. Oh yeah. I'm feeling the beat. I'm feeling the rhythm. Oh yeah. It's hot now. Yes. So my six year old goes, she's pretty. It's like, yeah, she is. They can't dance with the crap song. <laughs> yes. No. So yes, that song, of okay. course. So, so let me tell you a story. Uh, back in the early days of my career, uh, I worked in call centers. I was a training specialist for call centers. I knew knew a lot about how to train people to do it. Uh, I actually made my way up highest. I've been in my career on the ladder. Oh, corporate, uh, was in call centers, uh, up to junior executive. Right. And one of the call centers I worked for did outsourcing for all these different companies and they did outsourcing for Napster right after Napster kind of went legit. You remember when they, had this whole dust up and then they got sued for all the, um, music sharing stuff. And they decided to go legitimate, charge a service fee, pay the music companies. Right. Which is why they are the huge company. They are, they are gigantic. Now this is huge. I don't think they exist, but, (laughs) (laughs) but they were the first music service, the first like paid real music service. And I work with them a lot and actually work with a couple people who founded the company or work with it from the beginning. And they told me the story of Bananarama and the whole concept was the songs, or at least majority of the songs, belong to their manager. Mm. And you know what? Right maybe you're at- the one who told me that. Maybe that's where I first heard it from. Yeah, because not long after uh, all that came out, he locked that shit down and <laughs> pulled it from everywhere, would not release it to any music service. And to this day, you cannot find Bananarama like... And I haven't looked in a while, but um, it's been, I guess, about two years ago since I looked. Even iTunes didn't have it. Because, you know, there are certain acts and certain artists that won't release to like iTunes or uh, Pandora or there's certain Mm -hmm. acts that will not release their music to those services. Um, And we won't get into that debate, but this, this shit is locked down unless you own a CD or you buy a record. Really? uh, Or or unless you hypothetically go to YouTube and then find a converter (laughs) to turn into an MP3 and then download it and use it on whatever you want. I'm just saying that we we have the CD because apparently this guy was like psycho for that copyright stuff allegedly and, yeah for no and and that's for no amount of money it would just shut it down because that was all kinds of crazy. so yes that that song does not get old for me i actually do uh 
uh, owned the cassette for a long time and even the CD. So um, I love, love that song. And I like the Bengals. So. Well, that wasn't the Bengals. That was Bananarama. I mean, Bananarama. Bananarama. <laughs> but, but I also like the Bengals. I like the Bengals too, Susanna, but I like Bananarama. Susanna Haas. Yeah. Another side story. 11 years old, summer camp. Totally convinced a kin. A, a kin. A kin. He was my kin. No, I, I convinced a kid that Susanna Haas was my cousin. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, other than the fact that my friends John and Jeff set me up for it. And it, it told me to do it, and I did it. And uh, apparently, I was very big into peer pressure. So yes. <laughs> and if she was, I'm not saying I would be into uh, interfamily marriage, but. <laughs> All right, but that wasn't the only super no. awesome song by far. No, that this movie introduced to the world. No, the the I, I, it's a debate for me. It's a mood thing of which one I'd rather listen to at any given moment. But here's the but other both one. are fan goddamn tastic. Right. These are the these are quintessential perfect. You can't touch them. Can't 80s touch songs. That's why that's yeah. why they have a hammer queued up. Okay, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> It, it makes the whole tournament go faster yes and intense it makes it more and then you tra you you transcend uh, transcend you transfer over from this music to the bill conti score for yes. the final yes. battle between daniel and johnny and it's just it builds awesome. to such a crescendo you're right and, and i this is one of those moments i thought i don't remember this whole scene being this long but it was so played well that it built up to that moment from when he starts uh, in the very first match when he gets kind of ran out of the ring a couple times and yeah. he's unsure of himself and all the way up to when he gets to that final round, it was, it was very emotional. I believe this whole movie was emotional and <laughs> it was, I, I hate to overplay it. Um, <laughs> but it was just, it was probably one of the best movies surprised me when I watched it. It was one of the best movies we've covered in a very, very long time. Um, all around, I'd give it a five. I'd keep this bitch. I'd pay for it. I'd say someone stole it from my house. I'd say I dropped it in the drop box and so, someone must have taken it out of the blockbuster box because I put it in there. Well, even though well, well being house. this was nineteen eighty four, this would have been blockbuster wasn't even a glint in its daddy's eye. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it may have been, I'm just guessing. But I do know that this would have been armchair theater and armchair theater I would have had to call up crying and be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was jumped by the Cobra Kai in skeleton costumes. <laughs> then I lost the tape. Because I'd give it a five. <laughs> because I love this movie. So my wife went afterwards, I'm like, I just I said, I don't care. I just love this movie. She's like, Well, how does Jason feel about it? I said, I don't know that he likes it as much as I do, but I think he likes just well, what are you guys gonna do if you both like love it? You're not gonna have much to talk about. May cut to <laughs> we're an hour and ten minutes. This has been one of our longest episodes. <laughs> I could go on. Oh, I, because I have more I notes. Had, Just look, so all the people say, well, you didn't you talk about this. You didn't talk about that. Yeah, because at some point we have to pull the plug, folks. Because here are my notes. I have notes about uh, Miyagi's handyman apparently doesn't have to do job when he starts training. Um, <laughs> Miyagi's handyman apparently rich. Oh, oh, um, oh, Miyagi, in that vein, I put Miyagi, Yakuza? Where's <laughs> money coming from? <laughs> oh, I actually wrote notes about how there are three big distinct acts and you you mentioned that earlier there's the whole oh, quick, him in the high quick, school quick, before i forget uh, i realize yakuza is japanese and he was okinawan it was just a joke continue jason which 
Uh, I'm not saying this to be joking. Isn't Okinawa actually part of Japan, though? I, it's one of the islands. Well, was is it is it do they consider themselves? It's like one of the situations where it's like the people of Singapore or is it no, Hong Kong, right? Who when? Oh uh, yeah, Hong Kong is different because it was a British territory for a long yeah, time. Yeah, but it had been originally part of China, obviously, and then it came away. But then they actually look yeah, at but, themselves as more independent, I think. Or yeah, they, they are independent now still because part of the transition from. Uh, uh, British rule to Chinese rule was that they had to still have an independent government and electorate and all of that, even though China gets all of their tax benefits. And yeah. it's kind of a weird, it's kind of like Macau in Portugal. And you know, anyway, yes, I'm not hundred percent um, sure. I know that Okinawa... No, Okinawa is part of Japan. Okay. Now, I don't know if historically it was sort of separate and that's what he's referring to because I, I recall that point in the movie when Daniel says, are you from Japan or something? He goes, no, Okinawa. No. China here, Japan here, Okinawa here. Yeah. But all of my life, I thought Okinawa was actually part of Japan. It was one of the prefectures. But so anyway. Yeah. Which but, even uh, makes his wife, if it turns out that that's the case, and it really technically isn't, that makes what happened to his wife even more racist and horrible. Because the assumption well, the, was, well, yeah, you're from, you're close for there. You're well, close. and that was a big, that a lot of that happened. But I'm sure um, it did. Yeah, big deal. But we, I, I do know that Okinawa uh, has been, after World War II, was a huge American military base. Mm-hmm. Um, that They had a giant base there, and so a lot of Okinawa had the base, which we learned later on in other Karate Kid movies, but um, <laughs> it, it, in real life, there's a big base there and a big presence, as there was after World War II. So, yes. But anyway, so my other one was, the three acts of the movie, there was uh, his whole, you know, I'm a wimp, and... Uh, just coming to town. There's the whole high school. He's falling in love and training. And then there's the whole tournament piece, which was a long chunk mm-hmm. uh, of the movie, but um, very different tones in each one, very different setups. Um, I didn't even talk about the whole boat stuff. That was fantastic beach. But am I the only one that actually kicked into waves to see if I could become a karate champion? Like <laughs> he did. I know, but apparently my, my sense of balance is so horrible. Even now is a grown ass man who weighs just north of 200 pounds. I can go to the Atlantic side of Florida, <laughs> which let's just say is not Pacific Ocean type waves. I mean, I'm watching Daniel and this little guy, these waves are just over top of his head and he's still standing. I'm like, oh, he's still getting I, up. I would have gotten, I would have gotten knocked. I would have been drowned. I would, yeah. <laughs> and a couple of things as Florida boys that we may not notice. I don't know if you've been to California. You Have you been to California? Nope. Yeah, I've been there several times. And um, one big difference is I first time I went there, I brought my swim trunks. I'm like, I'm going swimming at the beach. And I show up and all the people that I met for business, I'm like, oh, we go to the beach tomorrow. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's go to the beach. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get my trunks. I'm like, what? You're going in the water? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, what? it's freezing cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Arctic water. It's like 50 degrees. <laughs> so when he gets in the water, uh, that's why he says, my friend is cold. We need to go. Um Remember when Miyagi yes. says that at the truck scene? Because that water is GD cold, not like here in Florida where it's bathtub water. So yes, exactly. Oh, I could still go on my yep. point. But yeah, so, so. so we're we're both strong fives, like strong, <laughs> maybe five point five. Five and a half. Yes, okay. I would beat up the video clerk to keep this movie. Yeah, I, I, I I'm, and it's not just the C and D talking. I realize there's a smidge of that due to my story. It's a little, but this is still a fun, great movie, and the fact that I got emotional at. Like you said, key points and the end of it, I still went yeah when he kicked yes. Johnny in the face. I'm like, <laughs> yes. I'm like, I know that's coming. How many times I've seen that clip a gajillion, and it still gets me every yes. freaking time because it's a, it's the editing. He goes, yeah. you the da da da, and he's you he's been hurt so bad. He's like 
holding his ribs and he does the crane and just that look on you know what it is it's the Miyagi moment the fact that Miyagi gets that like you you see him like emotional beyond when we saw him yep. drunk earlier and had to, had we not had that scene earlier him doing that I don't know it would have had the same impact no I agree yep and absolutely it, and he just gets that yes now do it now like he he didn't even know I don't think he knew Daniel was practicing that because Daniel was by himself practicing that that's right and yeah he, he never said anything he about it he knew what he was doing and, oh my god I'm getting chills just talking about it <laughs> it was it was fantastic <laughs> and then when Johnny hands him the trophy oh yeah you deserve this yep. you earned it you know yeah that was great now the only thing about that <laughs> I don't know. I, I always liked that moment, but at the same time, like, did he feel like really fast? Like, <laughs> I guess it, I guess it, he really felt. They had he, to kind of wrap it up. Well, and, yeah, yeah. And I guess, and I guess truthfully, there's some of the things that the sensei's telling all of them. You could tell they were all had a problem towards the end there with the crap. They he was, did. Yeah. yeah because even Johnny, Johnny had his line that he was. And it, not even that. It was you watch. There's, there's the one point when the, when sensei, bad sensei tells one of the other guys, take him out. You could see Johnny's face was was wait what why are you yeah, doing that that ain't right and I, and I think it Bobby I like because he's the one that when they were beating him up like he took part but he's like guys let, you know let he's us, the one that said leave him alone you've done enough yeah, yeah. And, and I like that yeah. they they weren't all these just two dimensional d bag no. jerks there was one or two because even Apollo like it was horrible that he did sorry it. I'm sorry I didn't mean yeah. to I'm so sorry it make it okay yeah. that he did it but I like that the kid had some if you actually I feel really bad for that kid because yes. he is an example of. Like what Miyagi says, there are no bad students. There are only bad teachers. Yes. And obviously he wanted to fit in so bad, he has to sacrifice his integrity because he's obviously not a bad person. He just yes. got in with a bad group and he yeah. took part in it. No, I agree. And then on I one agree. final yeah. note, is it just me or do you feel really bad for his mom? <laughs> like as an adult, I don't know. I said she was trying so hard. She yeah, was she was. She got his new job with computers <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, yes, well, I you did remember that bad. fad. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I do feel bad. And, you know, they never even talk about his dad. And that's another note I had is that this really was a father son movie to me. Yeah. Where with the whole Miyagi's child dying as a baby yep. uh, and and Daniel not having a father, this really felt like. But I love that they never they never said it. They never made it cliche. Yes. Yeah. They never made that cliche. It was it, but it felt so much like that. But they didn't over insert the mom to, you know, her, her be like, oh, you need a father figure. Oh, you need someone to No, It was just sort of she was concerned. And then she sort of drops out of the movie for the rest of it. Yeah. Until oh, no, the no, very no. She end. shows up at the tournament like out of, you can tell they had to cut a scene out because she's suddenly there at the end. Oh, no. But the only scene she's at the tournament, if you go back and pay attention, the only scene she's there, she's there with Allie. And that moment, a referee is escorting the mom out. That's the only scene what? is she's there and is escorted out. Oh, you, That's mean, what, you mean in the back room, in the locker room? No. When they're on the floor, there's one point where they don't even kind of show how her mom, how his mom gets there. Mm -hmm. But she's there as there, it's been a couple of fights, uh, maybe after the first fight. She's there with Allie. But you just see a referee come up, kind of grab the mom by the arm and talk to her and say she has to leave and walks her out. Oh, that's right. Because they, they did, to be fair, they did establish they that, do, yeah. but they never showed how the mom got onto the floor in the first place. <laughs> well, and my guess is because from a pacing perspective, they just couldn't show the scene. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But that, otherwise, people, if they had to show something with her, otherwise people would have been going, what happened to the um, mom? Where's the mom? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it's still great. I don't care. It's fantastic. All right. So uh, uh, would you like to move right into our picks? Yes, please. <laughs> Jason, what is your movie pick? Uh, so this is a hard one um, because this 
movie for me really had a, a, a lot of nostalgia and I wanted to pick, do I pick a William Zabka? Cause we've done a lot of William Zabka movies. We've talked about, uh, um, just one of the guys is one that we've done before. Um, and I like him as a character, mm -hmm. um, throughout those, those movies, you know, this is one of those things that really like, um, this is one that I actually just stayed with the series. I picked karate kid too. Okay. Now I picked it because I love the idea of Miyagi and Daniel going to Okinawa mm -hmm. and actually meeting like, uh, Miyagi's old nemesis, you know, that the, the, um, the guy that he won his wife away from, and there's still bad blood. And then he meets sort of a whole new level of nemesis because guess what? He tries that crane kick shit and they beat his ass. So. <laughs> um, Although the only thing I hated about that movie was it, if I, it, it's been longer. I've seen that since the, I've seen this the one. Original, yeah. But as I recall, doesn't it start, it has a very alien cubed opening in that it was almost like everything from the first movie, at least as it related to Ali, didn't even matter because I guess they couldn't get Elizabeth Shue back. So they end up, it turns out she like, I don't remember, she I know she wrecked his car and she broke up with him and like the movie starts yeah. off like really. But it, but it felt to me like it was like high school kids-ish almost. Yeah. You know, high school romance. Yeah. It, yeah, that's fair. We've been together forever. I know, eight, but it's just like eight, we just come weeks. off the high of what they did in the first one. And then yeah, it's like, that's oh, true. Okay. Um, it didn't, if you watch them together, it probably has a bit of a, a hiccup there. But by itself, I love the Japanese style. I love the fact that they're in Okinawa. I love the, uh, him kind of going back to the roots of, um, where karate came from, or at least in the movie. You know, uh, what, I bet, I, you know what I bet you love the absolute most though? If I'm a betting man. Okay. Put your money on the table. Okay. Wait for it. <laughs> Peter Cetera. Uh, Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. This is Chicago, right? Uh, well, it was him by himself. It just says Peter Cetera. So it's just, oh, okay. I don't know if this is a solo thing. Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I like this song, but I also realize it's really cheesy and horrible in a way. Oh, no. It's, oh, my God. It is, no, it's, it's fantastic. Kind of horrible. No! Shut your mouth! But I look, yours was messed up. I kind of like it though. I don't always like it. I used to love it. Now I, I love it in the context of the movie better than listening to it alone. Because it is kind of sappy by itself, but in the movie, it seems great. Like, no, here's what I love. Here, here, here. Hold on, here we go. Oh yeah, it's coming, buddy. Here comes me to stare at you. I am a man who will fight for your honor. I mean, that's just fantastic. No, the part of this movie that I loved, if you were a betting man you would have won money on, was after this movie, everybody and their brother and sister went out and bought one of those little drum things that you spin between your hands and it does the drumming. Yes, because you could just go back and forth. That that one, I think the crane kick was a little cooler than that. I still think about that. When I see those things <laughs> anywhere in any store and I see those little drums and I do it and my kids have no idea. <laughs> and of course, maybe it's just purely a preference thing. I, and I, I think Elizabeth Shue is very cute. I liked his love interest better in this one. 
I do too. And I love the fight scene in this one better because it's sort of that come. It's a fight for your life. It's, yeah, this that, is yeah, that one was more of a threat, as I recall. Like it felt yes. like he was really in deep crap. Yes, and you know he. The fact that Miyagi comes, you know, I don't give it all away. Anyway, yes, I love Karate Kid too. Okay. Now that being said, three and four are either of those your? Uh, I say three and the next Karate Kid are either of those your picks? Negative, but I will say this: okay. I, as Ben Wallace, I've seen three. Three is not a horrible movie. It's an awful movie. It's really bad. Three? It's when Daniel becomes a douchebag and has to kind of come back to the the, the come back to life because I remember he, that the one that basically it's all set up by the old sense by the bad sensei Martin and, Cove. Yeah. And you get a little showdown with him and Miyagi. Uh, but it Daniel's an ass in that, and he he that's when he tries to ask Miyagi teach me how to sweep. Because he wants to learn to actually be a karate, you know. Does Miyagi, no, Miyagi doesn't die because he's in the fourth one, right? No, no, no. He he doesn't die. But, like, he gets his shop all just because he opens a bonsai That's shop. Right. I remember the that. The bad guys destroy it, but Daniel doesn't want to help him. He wants to be more with the bad guys because he's, he's a cool kid now. It, it's a it's an ass movie. Don't see it. Well, I've seen it. I've just been a long time. I need to rewatch it. Yeah. Then there's the next Karate Kid, which um, uh, uh, has... Right? Yes, Hillary Swank in it. Nah, you know, I, I, didn't like I don't it. think I've ever seen it. Okay, so here's what I'm going to leave it off with. Is your pick a Karate Kid movie? Negative, at not, all? not, not okay. even. So I'm going to leave you with two quick things that I have to have to cover. One, if you are a fan of the original Karate Kid, if you're listening, you must, must, must watch a music video by a band called No More Kings. Oh, yeah. They did a video called Sweep the Leg. The song is fantastic to begin with. But it is basically like Johnny's character now living in a trailer, like rewatching videotapes but of that the best moment, part like is they actually got the, they, they actually got the actors who were the old Cobra Kai guys. All of them. And the one guy who's yelling, yeah, Johnny, he's actually on the couch. It's doing the, the same guy. They're like old, fat, worn out. <laughs> and they awesome. even have like his wife in there like, are you guys really going to watch this crap again? Yeah. You are so sad. <laughs> <laughs> and they... Spoiler in the video, they actually have Ralph Macchio return in it as well. It is, I don't know how they pulled it off, but it's brilliant. It's a fantastic movie or, or a video, music video, kind of to relive this. Um, it's great. So that's one. Two, I'm about to burst your bubble here, son. It has been announced the Karate Kid 2 with Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith. Are you serious? It's been announced. You know what I was hoping? That they would do one of those reboots of a reboot situations. Was, <laughs> Where they like, just forget that one existed. Well, no, but, well like first it's Friday the 13th. There's going to be a new one this next year. 2015, the year of everything. Yes. They're going to make a new Friday the 13th movie. And I've been hearing rumblings that they're pretty much going to reset. Because while their recent reboot did okay, I guess they decided they wanted to do something. I don't I'm confused. And then they did the same thing with Chainsaw Massacre. Because they remade it of a remake it mostly happens with horror movies but every once in a while i've noticed that if it goes long enough that they'll yeah. do like almost like a reboot of a reboot so yeah or planet of the apes there you go the planet of the apes with mark yeah, Wahlberg. There you go. they forgot it yeah it's always like ah, we'll pretend that didn't happen and we're just gonna go here with the whole rise of the dawn of the whatever of the apes and yep. which by the way the reboot of the reboot in that case much better so <laughs> my my thought was that if they redid it i'd be okay I I watched. I have you seen the 
the Jackie Chan one? From- no, no, I won't. I watched the first 30, 40 minutes of it. And honestly, it's not, I didn't turn it. It was one of those, I got, something came up and I had to stop it. And I just never even wanted to, I didn't care. It wasn't a bad movie. It's actually, it's not a badly made movie, but it's weird because all the beats are similar in a way, but they just feel way less engaging. And I think you were the one uh, who made the comment about the problem the whole time is, it's like, that's Jackie Chan. Of, yeah, you know he's a ass kicker. It's it's not like yeah, Pat Marina, Miyagi can pull off the frail old man. Yeah, you didn't come you didn't come in with oh well it's you know Pat Marina, you know him. But when Happy uh-huh. Days he he kicked that Richie Cunningham's ass. <laughs> the no. funds didn't stand a chance. I mean, you didn't. Uh, uh, yeah. So, and yeah. here's the thing. You know who the one of the producers is on Karate Kid Two? Will Smith. James Lasseter. As in Pixar. No, the guy that did uh, I Am Legend and. Oh, maybe he did Pixar. No, Lasseter, John Lasseter is one. I think John Lasseter. Yeah, yeah. No, James Lasseter is the guy that did. Uh, they're related, huh? Did I wonder if they're related? Oh, my guess is they are. He did I Am Legend, I Robot. He did a lot of Will Smith stuff. Pursuit of Happiness, Hancock. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if Will Smith's name is somehow connected to it. And that because I think yeah, he, he lobbied pretty heavy for his kid to get that role. Oh, yep. Yeah. Guess what? He's a producer. Yeah, imagine that. Um, so mm. anyway, there are my picks and sad stories. So yeah, thanks for that one, Jay. You're uh, welcome. <laughs> okay. Well, my pick is in honor of my good, good friend, Jason Grooms. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> I picked this movie for a couple reasons. Okay. It's had Pat Morita in it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Very quick. Because I realize we're probably actually going to definitely uh, be over time. <laughs> yeah. But it, 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 it was the, I've told Jason this a gajillion times. Many of you have heard ad nauseum stories about the fact that at one point in my life, I was Mr. Wannabe Movie Maker. I made some stuff, blah, blah, blah. Well, when I was like 19, 20 years old, I had a quote unquote, I'm using quote fingers here, production company. And I called uh-huh. it New Haven Filmworks. And my dad, meanwhile, had a business that he was running. It was in Winter Haven and he had a big warehouse. And that was kind of where I had my quote, unquote, again, air quotes, production office. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was in this industrial warehousey park in Winter Haven. And across the way it was it's like if you went it almost looked like when you would go into the area like one of those storage store you store it but with like giant warehouses but it had the yeah, same yeah. vibe you know the, like the little roads that run between all the different buildings yeah. and across from us was this place called boland production supply and i remember thinking it was interesting because i would see stuff well it turns out what they did is they supplied movies typically but they also the, i think they are like the major armor for walt disney world and like several major theme parks they provide huh. the gun the the, the prop guns the expl- yeah, yeah. explosives all that crap huh. and well the guy who ran who owned it scott boland was an actor as well like in his late 60s he got in a job the guys who directed the movie that i'm getting to is my pick are from miami they're brothers uh scott hildebrand i think it is and david hildebrand huh. and, and they for whatever reason probably working with scott boland on something else uh, when you know his company was providing the props or whatever had given him this role as like the farmer in this movie and they shot most of it in california but it's supposed to be taking place in florida one of those wow. deals, you know yeah it, it is called and jason if you haven't seen it which i'll be surprised if you haven't actually you need to it's called king cobra king cobra from 1999 Re- refresh my memory okay the the mdba is a mutated snake. It was actually, I think, a pygmy rattler. Uh, escapes from a <laughs> laboratory and terrorizes the residents. It says a small California brewery town, but as I recall, 
it was supposed to be Florida, uh, like a North Florida town. So that's not exactly right. Okay. But it, it's really, uh, it was, and it, actually it was, it was a PG 13 movie. I think they intended for it to go theatrical, but it's one of those, it was when sci-fi channel was actually sci-fi channel before they were doing their, all the, uh, you know, asylum yeah, pictures yeah. or whatever. So it, it was one of those, it was one of those nature run amok early sci-fi uh-huh. pictures from the ni- early nineties, early two thousand. Remember they had that, they had shark attack. They, you know, like Placid two would go on, you know, that kind of thing. It was, yeah, in, yeah. it was in of that ilk. And interesting, interesting side note beyond all that, the, uh, uh, Kyoto or Chiodo, depending on your preference, brothers, the guys who did the effects for critters and, yes. and wrote, directed and did the effects for killer clowns from outer space did the snake effects for King Cobra. Ah, and that is my I don't pick. think I've seen it. I do remember seeing some snake movie where these people go to this island and, and just, uh, yeah, it's uh, more of a tropical island. I do remember a scene where the natives are dancing like topless and the cobra's like swaying with the music. And I remember <laughs> thinking, wow, this is really weird. <laughs> no, I don't think this movie is. This is like a, P, this is a PG-13 Rachel run amok horror Oh, flight. no, this was R. Yeah, yeah. this was R. Yeah, and this, yeah. It also had Hoyt Axton. Oh, wow. As really? a Rand Peltzer and Courtney Gaines, who played Malachi in Children of the Corn. Oh, yes. The Red <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Eric Estrada. I'm going to just going through the list here. I'm cheating now. Eric Estrada had a part in it. From Chips. Yep, that's right. So, I mean, I think nice. you would I'm gonna like it. I'm going to put that on my queue. I think you would like it. All right. What year was that? 1999. King Cobra. 99. Okay. King Cobra. Mm-hmm. All right. I got it. And it, I, I, I am. Here's the thing. I bust your balls for all the anaconda shock to or shark to pussy movies. <laughs> but I am, I am a sucker for a nature run amok movie though. I true oh, yeah. like old school from the seventies on through the nineties. I love a good nature run amok kingdom of the spiders. Creature feature. Yeah, yeah, even, even those crappy ones that were on sci-fi, like the shark attack and shark attack two. And they had a bunch like that. There was, you know, yeah. they, they, what it was is there was a killer animal or killer animals, but it was typically less mutated and less intentionally campy as the current slate of those movies. Yeah, right. They weren't, they weren't classic cinema, but I just remember really liking them. So this movie would fall into that category. King Cobra. All right. I'll give it a shot. Good deal. So on that note, my fine feathered friend, would you like to hit him with a little bit of quick knowledge and then we'll pack this puppy on up since I'll see. <laughs> We we are at an hour and thirty two minutes, and I probably am not going to cut any of this out. Yeah, no, not hour thirty three. We just rolled over. <laughs> yes, check us out on iTunes first and foremost. Uh, let us know what you think. Give us a rating. Uh, write up a little bit about what you thought. At the very least, give us some stars. You can also find us at Forgotten Flicks. That's Flicks with an X uh, dot com, and uh, we've got lots of reviews. All of our episodes are on there as well. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter. And uh, yeah, we don't do Tumblr. We're not we're not that young. Uh, not that hip. No, not inst- that hip. no Instagram. Grams. No Instagrams. No, no Grams. Uh, no. No. Uh, let's see what else are the kids into today. <laughs> They're probably both. Yeah. Of, by the way, probably both of those are actually lame by kids. They're lame now. now. We're way yes. past it. Yes. But um, Facebook, that's coming on strong. <laughs> that MySpace, uh, that's fun. Check us out wherever you can find other people talking about '80s movies because that's where we are. Yes, indeed. And do you have any final words before I? Do my impression of me dealing with my car on a regular basis? (laughs) Yes. Sweep the leg, Johnny. Hold on. You thought it was done. You thought 
Jason had the last word, but no, this time, this time is different. The Karate Kid is so special to Jason, me, and all of you that we invited good friend of the show, Terry East, host of the Flickering Waves podcast, to pipe in with a few of his 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 cents, maybe, about this classic movie. And he specifically talks about the show, How I Met Your Mother, and how Karate Kid and certain aspects of that movie tie into that show. Now, I will warn you, he does it as well, but there are spoilers ahoy in relation to How I Met Your Mother. So if you're behind on that show and you want to catch up, do not listen if you do not want to be spoiled. Otherwise, the next eh, four to six, seven minutes, little special add-on just for this episode. So thank you, Terry, and take it away. This is Terry from Flickering Waves, and I'm going to take a couple moments and discuss a recent moment in pop culture that allowed us to think back fondly on the 80s classic, The Karate Kid. And this moment that I'm speaking to is the television series, How I Met Your Mother. Back in season four of the series, there was an episode entitled The Stinsons in which Barney is caught up in this ruse for the benefit of his mother of making it look like he is married with a wife and kids. And his friends are now finding out about this little bit of deceit. In the episode, Marshall and Lily end up seeing Barney's old bedroom, and in it, there is a poster of the Karate Kid, which ends up leading to a interesting exchange. That exchange reveals that Barney has a very unique take on the events of the Karate Kid. Yeah, it sure is a big poster of the Karate Kid above your bed. Hey, Karate Kid's a great movie. It's the story of a hopeful young karate enthusiast whose dreams and moxie take him all the way to the All-Valley Karate Championship. Of course, sadly, he loses in the final round of that nerd kid. But he learns an important lesson about gracefully accepting defeat. Wait, when you watch The Karate Kid, you actually root for that mean blonde boy? No. I root for the scrawny loser from New Jersey who barely even knows karate. When I watch The Karate Kid, I root for the Karate Kid, Johnny Lawrence from the Cobra Kai Dojo. Get your head out of your ass, Lily. So it's quickly revealed that Barney is not a uh, fan of the Ralph Macchio character and instead looks to William Zapka as the hero of The Karate Kid. Now, moments like this in this series, How I Met Your Mother, have a funny way of paying themselves off later. And in this particular passing fleeting thought, it pays off a little bit more than most. You would have to fast forward to season eight of the series to an episode called The Bro Mitzvah in which Ted and Marshall are put in charge of Barney's bachelor party. And... Ted and Marshall decide to take the approach of trying to make this the most memorable night of Barney's life by making it the most miserable night in Barney's life. As a man, the man being Barney here, who has had countless conquests and many legendary moments through his life, this seemed to be the most unique way of trying to make this night of his bachelor party 
the most memorable. And it all starts by inviting two people. The first is Ralph Macchio. This ends up creating several moments of humor and tension that carry on through the episode and leads to a second character, which if you're not wanting to know how this plays out, you might want to fast forward a couple of minutes because the rest of this gets very spoilerific. There's a clown, and this clown is very silent but quite observant throughout most of the episode. And at the end of the episode, we get the reveal. It is none other than 80s actor and future poet laureate, William Zapka. Now, we've had this memorable episode. Barney's working his way down the aisle. Certainly, this could be the end of William Zapka and the connection to the Karate Kid. And in that instance, you'd be wrong. Jump a few episodes ahead into Season 9, there ends up being a rift between Ted and Barney, and Ted, who was supposed to be the best man at Barney's wedding, ends up getting bumped off that position by none other than William Zapka. And he ends up appearing in six episodes from the final season, season nine of the series How I Met Your Mother. It's out there on Amazon, Netflix, Watch Instant. The final season's going to be coming out on DVD. There's a huge box set, so if you've missed out on this and you want to check it out, certainly a number of ways to do so. One suggestion that I would make, it makes for an interesting search, because you might find the article that disproves this. William Zapka, not a poet. Thanks again, Joel and Jason, for letting me come on. This is Terry from Forgotten... <laughs> This is Terry from Flickering Waves, signing off.